This week we are starting our week two of the series that BJ started last week, The Greatest. It has been so awesome so far. Of course, I say that every time, but I love every series that we do here because they're all awesome. But he started, and man, it was, I told him this after church, it was one of the best sermons I've ever heard in my life. Like, if you weren't here, you must go listen to it. And what Will said about being critical, I am also very critical. And I'm telling you, it was so awesome. He hit it out of the park. We're talking about, and it probably got me excited because the whole message was about Jesus. And I love just only talking about Jesus. But he's talking about, in Matthew 28, 20, uh, 20 I'm sorry, 2028. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. But even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. So I love that we've, we're doing this series after Easter, because we've just spent a good, you know, a couple weeks reflecting on the life of Jesus, what he did for us, that he died for our sins, he died for our sickness, he died for our poverty, he died for us and raised again. But now we get to backtrack a little bit and see him as a servant, which I think sometimes we overlook a little bit. Like, I love what BJ said last week, that the very last thing Jesus did before he died on the cross was serve in the lowest way possible. So what BJ said last week, because I've listened to it, I think now three times, it was an awesome sermon. I am telling you, please go listen to it. But he, um, he could have said anything, right? Like, he could have, sometimes when we go to conferences and things, like, I've been, um, Will and I have done this so many times, like retreats. We kind of have this last thing that you do, right? Have you ever been to a retreat and the very last thing that we do in the charismatic world is give everyone a nice word? <laughs> you give a prophetic word and you leave them with something nice to think about, right? Jesus didn't do that. He didn't leave them with, I mean, he did leave us with nice words, but he served. You know, I was, um, my sister actually shared this, that someone had said on, um, some, some pastor had posted on Easter, but he said, do you ever think about what you would do if you only had one day to live? And that's what a lot of us, you know, I would eat the biggest meal. I would fly to Europe. I would do something, like, that I've always wanted to do. I would jump out of a plane, maybe. I don't know. But And Jesus knew what <laughs> it was his last day on earth. And he washed the disciples' feet. And, in fact, he didn't just wash his disciples and his friends' feet. He looked across the table at the man who had betrayed him, his friend, his friend who betrayed him, and he washed his feet. How do we look? How is anything better than that? Like, do we skip over that part? Because it is so good that the last thing Jesus said is like, I'm going to show you what to do. Not just your friends. That was his betrayer. And is anything worse than a friend betraying you? That's horrible. A friend, someone you love. Jesus did life with these people, and he washed his feet. So today, I'm, BJ set the groundwork of our most beautiful servant in the world, Jesus which I love, but today I'm going to be kind of drawing the line of what does serving as a believer do for you? So maybe all of your ears are perking up because you're like, man, do I get something out of this? Yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> BJ um, has been talking to us as a staff about something interesting, but, you know, something the Lord's been showing me too is that a lot of biblical principles are the same. They work the same, and that's good news. The Lord wanted it to be easy for us. So that's really good because if you get one of those principles really well, then you can apply it to multiple principles. So he's been kind of drawing the line for us as a staff, and I'm sure he'll talk more about this, and I'm going to today, like how giving, right, giving our money, our actual money, is a fundamental principle of our walk as a believer in, in our faith, 
right? Like tithing should be a fundamental baseline thing that we're doing. No condemnation if you're not, but you should start. Like tithing is baseline what we should be doing as believers. And the same thing is with serving. And sometimes I don't think that we look at it that way because it's kind of like, yeah, do it or not, like it's fine. But it actually works the same. It's a fundamental part of what we do as a believer is to serve. And when you give and you put a seed into the ground, we get a harvest on that because it's just, you know, we don't give to get back, although we do, which is awesome. God takes care of us and he multiplies our seed that we put in the ground. So when we serve and we put that seed in the ground, we'll see a harvest from it. And that's good news. And not because we're serving because you're like, oh, well, I want something out of it. That's, you know, we need to change our mind, but you do get something out of it. So that's what I'll be talking about today. So the first thing that serving does for you as a believer, serving makes you humble. You know, I, um, I can probably say that maybe every person in this room has struggled with pride at some point in their life. And if you're saying, no, I have not, if you're married, you're struggled with pride at some point in your life, <laughs> right? I do not like to apologize. I quite frankly never think I'm wrong. I hate it. I hate apologizing. It is my least favorite thing to do. I truly, in my heart, I have to take it to the Lord every time me and my husband have a thing because I don't ever think I'm wrong. And I don't know, that's a pride issue. I'm calling it out myself. Some people just overall struggle with pride every day of their life. Oh, Will's a great, oh God, that's not fair. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's true. He will apologize very quickly. He does not struggle with pride in that area. I do not like to. But you know, it's not just in our marriages. If you have a job, think about it. What? Okay, think about your boss possibly. If they're horrible to you, is your first thought, I'm going to serve my boss. Like, what should I do to serve my boss? Or if, like, you work at a restaurant and all of your customers have been horrible that day, should I be nice to them? Or if you don't work and you go to a restaurant and your waitress or waiter has been horrible, is your first instinct, I'm going to tip them more, right? Like, sometimes we need to serve to make us humble. Some people, like I said, sometimes you just overall have a spirit of pride, and that might mean that you're not serving someone. It is nearly impossible to stay in pride when you're serving, right? And I'm not just, like I said, I'm not just talking about our church, although you should serve your church. <laughs> this place is awesome, and I'm going to talk more about that. But I mean, serving your husband or your wife, serving your kids. Man, I'm not quite to that point that some of you are at where your kids have just like maybe drove you crazy all day. I mean, Jolie is a toddler, so of course I have that. But like, especially in the teenage stage, I'm sure, where they have just backtalked you all day and you're like, I'm just going to serve my kids happily. It's hard to stay in that spot. I am talking like Jesus, the last thing he did, again, was the lowliest of serving. And that is what he has left for us to do. And, you know, sometimes I see this also, especially in, because Jesus, like I said, he started at the bottom. The, the washing of the feet was the lowest way he could have served in that day. And I'm, you know, ever since BJ preached on that last week, I talked about it on Wednesday with our kids, and I've, I've truly thought about it every day because I'm having a hard time, like, move past it. Because just when I think of, like, wrapped my head around King Jesus, I realize, you know, he washed his betrayer's feet, and it blows me away again. You know, like I have thought about it every day because I, I was so convicted and I 
honestly, I feel like I'm a pretty good servant, but I serve here a lot and I serve my community, but like, man, not like Jesus. I'm not up to his level yet. I'm not sure that I'd want to wash my betrayer's feet, like at all, you know? And I see this a lot, like sometimes in ministry, especially, and I don't know if it works this way in like a job or in ministry, but we see people come out of like ministry school. We have seen this so much, more times than I can count. And they'll come out of ministry school at 22 years old and say, I'm going to be a lead pastor. Like, I have just graduated ministry school. Or honestly, even at a job. Like, sometimes we graduate college and then we're like, I should run this company. I am now qualified. Especially with, I love Gen Z. But the Gen Z generation, we're like, oh man, I'm it, you know? And Jesus is like, hey, go lower, right? Sometimes in ministry especially, and I like... I love the the band on stage, but sometimes it's like you get there. Like my husband is an awesome musician. Like, is he not? I'm going to talk. Okay. I just called myself out and I'm going to be nice about you, but he is an awesome musician, but man, Austin will like, they sweep these floors too. That is not, they're not just hanging out in the green room. We don't have one, but if we did, you know, eating their cookies, they're sweeping the floors. They're doing stuff like Jesus showed us to go lower all of us. Are, it's it's like, like I said, it's very hard to be prideful when you're just back there sweeping the floors. And it's, I mean, all right, let me not jump ahead of myself. Some of us think too, like I was saying in ministry, where it's like, I'm here. I'm, I have heard people actually, I love this story, but um, Ashley and Carly, who BJ, BJ and Lisa are with, they tell this story. They walk in awesome financial prosperity, by the way. Like if you need a revelation on finances, you should listen to these two. They have an awesome revelation. So they have people come to them a lot when they are struggling. And they had someone come who had been laid off from his job as a CEO of a massive company. And he says, I can't find a job anywhere. Like, I am struggling. And Ashley's like, well, McDonald's is hiring. And that guy was so offended. He's like, I'm so overqualified. I am not working at McDonald's. And he said, well, then I just don't know how to help you. Like, I don't know how to help you because when you start from the bottom, man, God will promote you pretty real fast because the promise is that he will prosper what you put your hand to, whether that be in a job, whether that be in your ministry, whether that be in your home. I mean, man, sometimes we got to get lower in our home. Sometimes, like, I've, I've been kind of on this lately, but, the Lord, you know, one silly thing, this is really silly, but I hear the Lord in a lot of ways, is my pantry was driving me crazy. I have a kind of tiny pantry. And I said, man, like, when I have this big, nice pantry, it's going to be so organized and wonderful. And the Lord was like, no, it will not, because you cannot keep your current pantry clean. And so that day, I took everything out. I cleaned it. I put them in the, it's everything in its place. Because we are called to steward what we put in the ground and what we have. So in 1 Peter 5, 6 to 7, it says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. Oh, I'm sorry. Under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Right? Are some of us waiting around, especially in our servanthood, because we want to be seen on stage? You're like, well, I'm not serving in my church because I'm called to preach. Well, okay, this says, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. He's going to lift you up. Right? You're like, well, I'm an awesome musician. I just want to be on stage. And it's like, Okay, that's fine, and maybe you are, and maybe we will put you on stage. I don't know. I'm not over that department Austin is. But, like, 
we have to go, sometimes we need to go lower. Sometimes we need to be cleaning the floors. That's what Jesus did. He washed the disciples' feet. And then it says, humble yourselves and he will lift you up. Man, if you're struggling because you think you're overqualified and so you're not serving in any area of your life, Jesus was wildly overqualified for everything he did. Everything. I mean, if you put it in perspective, like we're looking at King Jesus, like King Jesus left his throne in heaven. Like he had the perfect life in heaven. He didn't have to do anything. I'm sure angels are at his beck and call. He's hanging out around the throne. People are worshiping 24-7. And he's like, I'm going to be born in a manger as a servant. It says the man, and what we talked about earlier, the son of man, he didn't come to be served. He left his place being served in heaven to serve us. That is the most beautiful. I can't get over it. And in the Old Testament, we see so many servants. You know, Daniel was an awesome servant. Joseph was an awesome servant. Ruth, my girl, she served, and man, God promoted her. But Jesus was the ultimate beautiful servant. How do we move past that? Like, has anybody actually wrapped their head around how King Jesus, man, I'm not seeing many kings, you know, in, our, in 2023, kings, presidents. We serve all them. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Sometimes celebrities were in today's world would probably have been more served than Jesus, right? Like, that's what was happening in biblical times. Jesus is walking around as a servant while the kings are being promoted. So, you know, sometimes, like I said, we're called to be leaders. We're called to be pastors. I believe that with all my heart. But the Lord is calling us to humble ourselves. And how do we humble ourselves? You know, um, three weeks ago, I talked about James 4, 7, my whole message. James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But the verse before that, James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So we, if we see these two things work together, I looked up what the um, dictionary definition of oppose means, and it means to actively resist. And in the verse behind that, we're seeing, so God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. James 4, 7 is resist the devil and he will flee from you. So God is resisting the proud and is telling us to resist the devil because pride comes from the devil, Right? So God is actively, and I'm not saying God is actively resisting you if you are proud. He would be actively resisting all of us. That's not it. But he's resisting the pride in your life that comes from the devil, and we're called to resist that pride. The Bible has so much to say about pride. In Proverbs 6, 5, it said God detests it. He detests pride. In Proverbs 16, 8, pride comes before a fall. And then in Psalm 10.4, it literally says, this hurt me when I read it, that pride is the reason people don't come to him. So I look at my own life, the own pride in my life, I'm like, oh, God hates that. I need to get it out of my life. I know that I struggle with pride sometimes. I know, like I said, if you're in this room, like, I don't struggle with pride at all. I am happy for you, but I don't believe you. <laughs> it, is, it is hard, you know? Like what BJ said last week, I mean, if you're, you know, we see the biggest divide in our country as Democrat, Republican, and he's like, God's saying, Republicans, go serve the Democrats. Democrats, go serve the Republicans. That's hard, right? 
I mean, God is actively resisting the pride, and somehow we as a country, we as a society have been okay with it because it's almost like, well, be proud of yourself, which is fine. I mean, yeah, but in a humble way. Like, we have almost exalted some of these things that God detests. He, we're about to celebrate a whole month of pride as a country. Why? I'm serious. I mean, I know it got quiet, but, like, that's a word that God does not like. And we're going to celebrate a month about it? I don't, I don't like it. All right. Y'all can not like it either. It's fun. <laughs> But, you know, the root of pride is selfishness. And I can see myself as a, you know, as a believer. It's like we, when I said that, you know, we, James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It would be pretty easy also to just, like, talk myself out of being prideful. Because we can do that. We're given that authority as a believer to tell the pride to go. But what would be even easier than that is just go serve somebody right? I didn't ask Will if I could tell the story, but I'm going to anyways. <laughs> but we, you know, if you're married, sometimes you have little tiffs. So we were having a little tiff two weeks ago. And, you know, I didn't think I was wrong at all. I, I didn't. And I was telling the Lord that. I came inside Will's pressure washing. He's working hard on serving our home. And I'm like, man, I am not wrong. I'm not, I'm not going to apologize because I didn't do anything. So I went inside and I'm feeling convicted. And I heard the Lord say, like, because I'm thinking, I could just go apologize, but that might start something because I'm going to say I'm apologizing, but I don't think I'm wrong. So I asked the Lord, what can I do for my husband? And the Lord, <laughs> this is so simple, but I heard the Lord tell me, just go take him a smoothie, like make him a smoothie. And it was a hot day and he's pressure washing. So I went outside and it disarmed the situation so quickly because I served my husband. And I'm not saying yay me, I'm saying that, man, I could have, like, just said it with my words or done it with my actions and served them and serve our home, right? Like, it comes from the simple things. It doesn't come from the massive things, like being on stage in front of 10,000 people. It comes from hearing the Lord say, make your husband a smoothie. Serve your home. Take your kids a snack if they're in a bad mood. Take, you know, I don't know, whatever teenagers need for you to watch the videos with them. I've learned that this week because Ava and Judah have been with us multiple times and they like to relate through the little reels, no, TikToks, okay? And I'm not good at that because I'm 30 and so I don't know, but I'll sit there and watch it and I'm like, I don't understand what's happening, but I'm gonna laugh, okay? <laughs> serve your kids, serve your home. It will make you humble. Man, it will make you humble. And I'm not just talking about either like, it made me really humble the first time I went on a mission trip. That's a big thing, right? You go to another country. The first mission trip I ever took was to um, Jamaica when I was 17. I think that was the first overseas one I went on. But it makes you humble real fast, right? But there, you don't have to leave the country to be humble. If you're waiting on a big opportunity, you might not ever have one. I mean, there are opportunities. Go with our biggest partners in Nicaragua. I mean, they take trips four or five times a year, but you don't have to wait for that. If, you, if you're like, okay, I hear you. I'm struggling with pride. I need to humble myself. Come to me. I will put you to work. All right, point number two. Serving, me, um, serving puts you as a part of the body of Christ. So I'm not just talking about when we serve our church 
we meet someone else's need. That's obvious. When I go to Nicaragua and I take them food and clothes, I meet someone else's need. Those are all obvious things. But when what the Bible says is that you become a part of the body of Christ and that a part of our body is missing a part of the body, right? An ear, an eye, a nose, because you're not serving. You have something our church needs. You have something the body of Christ needs. And what I'm going to read is kind of long, but I feel like every verse is very important. So just bear with me, okay? 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one parts, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not be the reason to start being a part of the body. I'm just going to pause there. If you're thinking, I am an ear, that's all I have to give. You can live without an ear, but I don't want to live without my ears, <laughs> right? Okay, continue. Oh, we'll tell us about the ear next. And if the... <laughs> Man, I just know this verse so well. No, if you or the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to part of the body, it would not, for that reason, start, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, man, that would be so weird. Where would the sense of hearing be? Could you imagine if our whole church functioned because BJ preached? And I'm just going to be honest, there was like probably a year and a half that the whole church did function because BJ and Lisa did everything. <laughs> There was a long time that, you know, after Pastor Barry passed away, that they did take over almost everything in the church, and that is exhausting. That is not, I mean, if it was just one part of your body, I mean, it's almost like naturally speaking, when you work out, you're not just going to work out one arm all the time. You'd, you'd look so weird, like walking around like this. I mean, it's not how God called it to be. Okay, 17. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. That's good news, by the way, because we all get to be a part of something. Everybody wants to be a part of something. It's put in us to feel that way, right? The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable. That's what I just said. I don't want to live without my eyes or my ears. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unrepresented are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater I'm sorry, honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Now I'm going to talk about this later. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Man, that is something you are missing out on if you're not a part of the body, right? Like we are a body of Christ. 
And we, and I'm not saying if you don't serve, we're not going to help you. That is absolutely not true. We absolutely, as a body, want to take care of each other. But this is something, this is part of my last point, so I don't want to jump too far ahead. But, like, when you're a part of, like, serving and you're together and you're grinding it out and doing these things together, who's the first person you're going to call, Right? It's probably going to be your pastors, but then it's going to be someone that you're like, I got close to you because we're doing this together. We're doing this as a team, okay? Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. This is so important to understand this. God is, God is saying here, I establish the body. And I love that he ties the physical with the spiritual. I establish this to work together. We are missing something. I can't tell you what that is. You can tell me what that is. But we are missing something if you're not serving. And you may be serving here, and there might be somewhere else that you're not serving, that they're missing it. Maybe God's called you to multiple things. But again, we can't also just say, well, I'm only called to teach. I am only called to preach. Because that wouldn't be the right way. Like, God put things in order for a reason we have seen multiple 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 people in ministry be out of order and it not work right that they're elevated real quick have we all seen it on the news you know those are people that normally end up on the news that in a year we're like where did they come from that happened real fast and then two or three years later we're seeing them have a fall and i am not here to judge or condemn anyone I am just saying that God established an order for a reason. It's hard to be at the top and be prideful when you started at the bottom cleaning the church or opening the doors, right? And man, <laughs> those jobs, some of the most important jobs of this church are jobs that people do not know exist. You know, we kind of have a little joke, and it is a joke, don't come at me, but we're like, what do people think like, happen on Sunday mornings do the fairies come and like put all the put all the things out like you know it's a joke I'm you know but some of the most important jobs man Joe Frank he he's right here I'm calling him out he gets our bread every Saturday night all of the pastries you see he gets our bread every Saturday you might think that's a small job. It is not. I've done it, and I don't like doing it. I am so thankful he does it. <laughs> it's like interrupts your whole night, okay, right? Like you did it for years. It's not my favorite job to do, and he does it every week, every week. You know, Sandy, I told her I was going to call her out too. She's on the second row. Man, she cleans this church spotless every week. Do you guys like a clean church? When she's like, man, when she first started cleaning, I was like, this church is the cleanest it's ever been. She doesn't. She takes ownership of it, man. We had a um, <laughs> we had a volunteer event, and it happened to rain, which was annoying. And so it was a little muddy outside. And BJ told me that someone was coming in here and Sandy had just cleaned. She's like, don't go dragging that mud in the church because she takes responsibility. I mean, man, who has responsibility of their home? Like, I love my house. I love the house I live in. I take responsibility of it. I take pride in it. You know, I mean, if things get messed up, they get messed up. I have a kid now who took a Sharpie this week and drew all over everything, all over her things, you know? But, you know, whatever. 
She's one. That's what's going to happen. But I take pride in my home. And nothing makes me more excited than seeing someone like Sandy take pride in this house. Because I love it. I take pride in this house. Right? I love seeing, man, the pastries in the back. Miss Linda does that way better than I do. When I looked at it this morning, I was like, man, she does. This looks so nice. Like, she does this. She takes pride in it. Those are some of the jobs that maybe you don't see people doing up here. They are so important. I mean, Panera does not make a delivery to us, unfortunately. I wish they would, but they do not. And Joe Frank gets it, and I am so thankful. So Ephesians 4.16, I love this verse. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each does, as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. So the whole body, I want you to hear this. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's amazing. That's probably a verse I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about, but man, when the whole body is working together, we're healthy. That is something BJ and Lisa and our, us as a staff talk about a lot is we feel like we have a healthy church. Things are working very well here, and we are so thankful. The people in our church are healthy. And not every, that doesn't mean everybody's perfect. It means that we are healthy. And, man, that, I'm going to brag on my pastors again. That comes from the head down. They are healthy. One thing that they do as servants that is very healthy is they put their family first. They are servants, but they serve their home first. I've watched them do it. I'm just going to tell you, we have not had events at this church before because Ava had like a concert, a little chorus concert in like the eighth grade. And they were like, I can't miss it. I mean, right? They are there for their family. And that is healthy. That is the way it should be. And we see that from the head down. And man, their kids are healthy and their kids love to serve. Judah is in kids' church every week. Ava serves every single week, and I've never seen them complain. I've never acted like they're burnt out. They are here every time the doors are open, and that's because their parents showed them how. And I'm just going to say that, parents, if you aren't doing that, it is not too late. We need to teach our kids to serve, right? My mom is here. She taught me how to serve. It never felt like a burden to me because I knew it when I was little, Man, I have a one-year-old, and I hope she feels that way. I want her to grow up knowing we serve with a grateful heart. I love serving this house. I'm not saying work yourself into the ground because burnout is real, and we as leaders never want anyone to feel that way. But I am saying that parents, it is our responsibility, it's our job to be teaching our kids to serve and to serve with a grateful heart. And I'll just say for myself that I, as a youth pastor, and our volunteer leader felt very convicted a few weeks ago, just being honest, because we've ha- I've had a lot of kids, teenagers come to me, and they want to serve, and I'm like, okay, you know, like, <laughs> I have to teach them, and they're not going to do everything the way I would do it, and I've always had Ava with me, so I know it's going to be a certain way, and so I didn't schedule them. It had been like a few months, and the Lord spoke to me real quick. You are robbing them of an opportunity to serve because you don't want to teach them right? That's on me as a youth pastor. So I think there's like new kids in every room this week (laughs) helping with the little kids. And I'm going to continue to do that. And if your kids want to serve, come to me. They're not going to do it perfect. They're little. Or I mean, some of them are little, some of them are big, bigger than me. But like, they're going to, 
I don't want to ever rob them of an opportunity to serve at this church, right? Like, we're going to teach them, us as leaders, if they want to serve on the worship team or in the media department, please come to us. We know they might be 10 years old. We're going to teach them. That is something we are going to value as a body. And just one more part of that is that if you are feeling lonely, please come serve. <laughs> you know, I, I know that sounds silly, but some people in the church sometimes will tell us, like, I'm feeling very lonely. You can't feel lonely in our body. We love people here, right? And if you're kind of, like, sneaking in, sneaking out every week, like, that might be a reason you're feeling a little lonely. Like, we love you. We want to be with you. We want to, we never, I never want anyone in this church to feel alone. I never want anyone to leave this place and think, I don't have anyone. That is what we are here for. Some of you might not have family to lean on. Some of you might not have a community of friends to lean on. That is what we are for. <laughs> That's what the body is where it's what, it's what it just says right here. When it works together, it's healthy. It's growing. And man, we've seen so much growth at our church because we are healthy and full of love. Right? That is what we are created and made for. That is why there's a desire in our heart to love on you, to be with you. I don't want you to feel lonely. I don't want you to feel alone. So please, God puts the lonely in family. We're that family. If you're like, I don't have a family, that's us. Come serve. Come be a part. It's awesome. So my last point is that serving will soon be, not become what you do, but who you are. I want to be known as a servant. Jesus was known as a servant. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. I want to be known as that. Is there anybody in this room that's like, I don't want to be like Jesus? No, that's weird. Why would anyone say, I don't want to be like Jesus? If you want to be like Jesus, he was the ultimate servant. That is all he ever did. I think about him being exhausted. You know, he was a man. He was a man who had all the things. He was probably so tired after he had just um, fed. You know, we see the story of like 5,000, but we're talking about 5,000 men. That was probably 5,000 women and 10,000 children probably. So we're looking at things like this where he's on the mountain, and he probably stayed until umpteen hours of the night ministering to these people. Jesus wasn't the kind that's like, I'm going to, I got a dip. I'm tired. Right? Like, no, he didn't do that. How many, I, I'm not, it's going to sound like I'm calling out pastors. I am not, but I've seen people like come to minister and then they walk off stage and they leave to go to the green room. That's fine. I don't know what God's called you to do. That's between you and the Lord. But I love seeing pastors and ministers who will stay and minister because I know for a fact that's what Jesus would have done. Jesus would probably be, like on the plane going from here to there in 2023, ministering to every person on the plane. Like, can you imagine? It never turned off for him. It wasn't what he did. Yeah, he did serve. It was who he was. He was a servant. Man, I want to be known as an extravagant giver. You know, I want to be known that people like there has been people that I've been introduced to and they're like, they love to give like they are givers. I want to be known as that. I can't do that if I'm not giving. If I want to be known as a servant because my King Jesus was a servant, I have to serve. I have to give of myself my time, my energy. And it doesn't always start in this place of like, this just flows out of me. Like, I just want to be here all hours of the night. It didn't always work like that for me. 
there's not a lot of things that flow out of me naturally. Some people, it does. Some people truly, I mean, I've met them and you're like, oh my, Diane Sullivan being one of those people, (laughs) right? Like she's not here this morning, but man, is she not the best? She is always doing something for someone else. She has officially retired from her job and has not retired at all. Like (laughs) she, in the meantime, has kept my kid, um, hers, um, Lily and Jackie. She is serving here constantly. She's always here. Anyway, she's just awesome. It comes out of her. It might not come out of you, but I will say this every time I preach. We can train our bodies to come into alignment with what God has called us to do. And you can't do that if you don't start somewhere. I I literally say this. I'm probably going to say it every time I preach. But if I want, I would like to be known as like a super fit person. Like, oh, she's so fit. She works out. She's strong. I don't, I, I mean, I worked out twice last week. For 30 minutes. Like, I'm not going to be, no. oh, thank you. I mean, I'm getting there. But I'm working on it in my mind. (laughs) I'm working on it in my mind because I want, I know I can train my body to get there. A year from now, I could look like a different person. So if you're saying, I've never served before, and I'm not known as a servant, and I've got a lot of pride issues, a year from now, you could look like a different person because you've started serving somewhere in some way. You don't have to start at the top. I'm not trying to call you out. I promise I love you, and I'm not trying to call you out. But if you think in my mind, well, I'm waiting on the Lord. Oh, boy. (laughs) I hear that, and it just kind of makes my skin crawl a little bit. Like, God is waiting on you. There are times that we wait on the Lord, and the Bible does talk about that. But that, that word wait, and I don't... Like, I don't want to get too far into this, but it doesn't mean inactivity. It means I'm like, okay, in my activity, I'm waiting on the Lord. Like, if you're saying, I know I'm called to teach. In fact, I'm going to teach. God showed me a vision. I am going to run. Like, I'm going to be in Africa teaching to 100, preaching to 100,000 people. That is great. But if you are waiting on the Lord to just elevate you over to Africa, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Every person I know that is in a healthy ministry position, they started at the low. And why is that? Because God set order and Jesus showed us how to do that because he did it. I mean, Jesus was elevated to heaven, back to king, back to king Jesus. But before he did that, he's like, I'm going to do the dirtiest work of the day to the man that's going to betray me and make me the reason that I have to be put on the cross. It would have been someone else, obviously, as we know, it was prophesied for Jesus to die. But man, it was Judas, and he washed his feet anyways. I'm just going to be honest. Like I said, I'm not quite there yet. I'm not. I want to get there. Maybe I should call someone up this week and serve them that I don't want to serve. Maybe that's where we start. Getting rid of that pridefulness in our life. Maybe that is where we start. I don't want to serve that person. That's the person you should serve this week. Or, like I said, I'm called to preach. Come to me. I'm telling you, I'll put you to work. I'm going to go ahead and invite the band up because I'm going to close with this. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says, As each of you, as each has received a gift, Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. 
you know, when we talk about stewardship, one thing we talk about a lot is stewarding money, right? We steward our money well. God has definitely called us to be good stewards of our money, whether that be in giving, you know, not living above your means, not spending money frivolously, right? Like we're, God has called us to be good stewards of our money. But this is saying he has called us to be good stewards of our gifts. And we're using our gifts to serve one another. Some of you in this room may say, I don't know what my gift is. That's great because I'm telling you, I did not either. When I started here, BJ and Lisa, I asked them what I could do, and they said we need help in the youth. What that meant for me at the time is I put out snacks every week, and I hung out with the kids. The first time they asked me to do a lightning round in a mic, I was like freaking out. I wouldn't do it. The first time someone asked me to speak, it actually wasn't them, and I was like, why? What am I going to talk about? I couldn't believe it. I never thought I'm called to preach. I'm called to teach. I never thought that. And it's been now six years we've been doing this. And I started putting out snacks. And now I'm here on a Sunday morning preaching, which is something I never thought I would do. If you're shy and you're like, there's no way. That's, I'm telling you, I'm the shyest person (laughs) in the room. And I just worked my way into this. I used to not be able to talk to any person one-on-one I would you know you know those people that was me like and now I'm just like getting used to it and I've learned what to say and being around BJ and Lisa has helped me so much it's like you grow into these gifts I didn't know that was a gift of mine and now I'm so grateful I get to serve this body in this way by delivering the word that the Lord has given me to deliver right and I started putting out snacks and I still put out the snacks now actually Mason does it now that's his job <laughs> he's not here this morning but he's how old is Mason 13 12 13 and he loves putting out the snacks and I can tell he put them out because they kind of you know dump them on the table from the box and that's fine they're out you know but let's man God's called us to serve he called it the greatest the ones that are low like a child, you know, the greatest. He's called us to serve. He wants, he's calling you higher to be a part of the body in some way. Whether that be sweeping the floors, picking up Panera, talking on stage, singing, being a part of the worship team, whatever that looks like, serving your family. But man, it is good to serve your church. I'm not going to deny it. Like, you know, it's good when you tithe anywhere you want but the best place to do it is your church you're getting fed here right like if you're here you're getting fed here it's tied to your church so when you serve give your time to your church i'm not going to deny it that's where you should be doing it but you can also serve your home serve your community serve your friends serve your betrayers 